This podcast is sponsored by Blacker Yarns. Blacker Yarns produce a diverse range of breed-specific knitting and crochet yarn. With everything from Shetland and Blueface Leicester through to Wensleydale, Gotland and Teeswater, you'll be sure to find an unexpected treat. If you're thinking of exploring breed-specific yarns for the first time or buying a few balls of a breed local to your area, then head over to www.blackeryarns.co.uk. All Blackers wares are spun and dyed on their mill in Cornwall using 100% British fibre and sustainable production methods. Hello! And welcome to POMcast, the podcast brought to you by Pom Pom Quarterly. I'm Lydia Gluck and I'm here, as I am every month, with the fabulous Sophie Scott. Hi Sophie. Hi, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Not bad. It's getting a bit chilly around here, isn't it? I know, winter happened. Oh, damn. Did anyone tell you? (laughs) No, I didn't get a letter in the post or anything. I didn't get a memo this year. It just happened. Oh, man. One day I was wearing my autumn coat, next day, winter coat. I was wearing my light autumn jacket. Exactly. Anyway, <laughs> we hope you guys are well and happy and it's uh, flowing freely and warmly. Uh, <laughs> yes, this is a podcast where we talk about knitting and all the other things in between. Um, what have you been up to recently? I've been to Wales. That's nice. I like Wales. <laughs> my family live there. And I've been playing bridge a lot. Oh, tell me about bridge. I'm not a, a player of... <laughs> Bridge. <laughs> Bridge is a fun card game where you have to have four people. I feel like I have many hobby, hobbies that are traditionally associated with, shall we say, an older person. But who's to uh, stereotype hobbies these days? Well, exactly. Only silly people do that. <laughs> so I not only do knitting, but now I play Bridge as well. <laughs> um, alongside listening to Radio 4 and all the rest of it. Uh, yeah, so I've been playing Bridge and bridge well you know what the suits are for cards right yeah there are four of them all right i'm all right with that the yeah. only bit of bridge that i mean bridge is complicated and i probably know about a third of the rules do um, the rules keep changing every time you play it someone's like oh no no that's the uh that's the wild wicked card you can throw that any time <laughs> change the suit it's a bit more like you know when you do gcse biology or something and yeah. you learn some stuff and then you go to a level and they're like all that stuff we told you before it's just lies. So I think it's probably something a bit like that. Um, but we play, you know, the version that we can kind of manage. But we do have a special song for each suit of the cards. Right. So Enlighten that, me. Um, so, I mean, you can probably guess some of them. So for clubs, we have... Wanna make love in this club. <laughs> with this club. And so when you play a club, you have to yes, do like that. It, yeah. And then for diamonds, we have Shine Bright Like a Diamond. Oh, I was going to say Diamond's a girl best friend, but no. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> um, for hearts, we have Total Eclipse of the Heart. Nice, yeah. And for spades, we have the ace of spades, of course. This is a key part of bridge. I didn't know these rules for the, the musical round. <laughs> There'll probably be some like more serious bridge players out there who are thinking, hey, why did we include yeah. this cool musical round into our games? I mean, it makes me want to join in for certain. It's really fun. Anyway, how about you? What have you been up to? I went to Bath. That's a nice part of the country. So I hear I've never actually been there. Tell me about Bath. Uh, or a- Bath. <laughs> yeah. Wait, which one did I say? I you said Bath. Oh, I, I, I said Bath. Uh, either one's acceptable and you end up in the same place so that's a relief phew uh, yeah it's very charming everything's kind of quaint and cobbled as well the history is one of those places in England where they have a lot of history mm. um, and yeah went for my mum's birthday lovely very pleasant what did you do did you go to museums uh, we went to the fashion and textile museum very which good. has a very good section where you can tr- you look at all these clothes you know obviously Bath's very famous for all the Jane Austen novels that were written around that area mm-hmm. uh, no well all the characters went to Bath to take the waters. Um, 
you walk through and you see all these Georgian and uh, Regency period clothes. And then there's a dressing up section where you get to try on bonnets and they have like a, a scene like painted on the walls where you can pose in all your little <laughs> outfits. It's it's one of the best parts. I look of forward to seeing yeah, pictures yeah. of you in that. <laughs> Plenty of pictures of me in a bonnet, yes. <laughs> so that was good fun. Uh, yeah. What have you been knitting though? Well, exactly. Good point. Let's let's move this on to to tell and tell where we tell each other. And you guys. And you guys. What we've been making. Well, I've been working on my Abrams Bridge cardigan nice. from uh, the autumn issue of Pom Pom which I'm making in a slightly thinner yarn than the recommended one. I had originally bought the yarn to make a Maud jumper. Yes. Um, and it's the midwinter yarns. Uh, I'm not going to try and pronounce the name of it, but it's the sort of DK version. begins with P or something, yeah. It's like Perkalanka. That's nice. That's my impression of... I, like I mean, I think that's got to be close, right? Yeah. Anyway, so I brought some of that in a lovely red um, at the Great London Yarn Crawl Marketplace. And I was going to make a Maud jumper... And then I realised that Maud Jumper is... I mean, it's amazing. I loved it. I love that jumper. But it's the wrong kind of shape for my Uh. uh, body. And so I thought, I will make an Abrams Bridge instead. And so the original yarn for that was more of a sort of Aran weight. Uh, But the yarn I'm using is a DK. It's a little swatching. Oh, nice. A little bit of knitting maths. Yeah. Well, I think it's because... I don't know. I'm quite a loose knitter. So actually kind of... And it just makes the fabric a bit sort of lighter... I suppose um, so, it's a big oversized cardi as well, so it's one of the things you can get away with. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, I check, checked my gauge and everything, everyone, <laughs> so well done me. And I'm like most of the way through it now. I've got, awesome. I reckon, 20% left to go. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good, very precise. <laughs> I'm thinking of it in like the little bar on Ravelry where you're yeah. like, how far through are you? <laughs> Do you do that? You should just like start and then I'm like, oh, 100%, yep, done. No, I like to kind of track. Oh, really? I mean, oh. it's kind of an imprecise science, let's be honest, but <laughs> I would say, yeah, I'm going to go 20%. Yeah, how about you? Okay. Uh, well, I'm uh, 99% done <laughs> on uh, a Koyu, I think that's Koyu. Koyu shawl by mm-hmm. Angela Tong, which I haven't been able to mention. Uh, it's been a little like secret project, so I've been knitting it for my mum's birthday. <gasps> oh, she listens, obviously. Good old mum. <laughs> Hi, mum. So I had to do the thing. I don't know if you've had the situation where you're like, oh, I knit something for the birthday. This would be great. And I started it in plenty of time. I started this like in September. Mm. Um, and then I still ended up wrapping it up while it's still on the needles and being like, oh, surprise, this is going to be finished very soon. <laughs> Watch out for the needles. <laughs> so I had a little chunk which I actually finished over the weekend in bath, so it was all right. And now I've just got to cast it off. And I was like, look, I'll block it for you properly. You'll have it at Christmas. So, uh, perfect. I think that's sometimes the way of knitted gifts. There'll just be a slight delay in the process. In my experience, I mean, if it's me knitting them, it's yeah. like 90%. I'm going to go percentages. Yeah. 90% of the time, that's how it works out yeah. for me. I thought it was actually, I felt that was quite on time for being like on the weekend, it's now cast off pretty much. Yeah. Know, the weekend off the birthday. You've practically done, you know, you're practically early, you know, <laughs> knitting term. <laughs> well, I, actually, I finished, um, speaking of gifts oh, and yes. knitting as we are, my brother's jumper that I had been making for. Good year and a half. Yeah, I was going to say, if people follow this pod- podcast, they'll be like, oh yeah, I'm picking that up. So I think I mentioned last time that I had picked it back up again. And I did finish it yes. on Sam's birthday. Oh yeah. In the morning, I was watching Narcos, which is really good. Anyone who's got Netflix, watch that. It's really good. Um, <laughs> Side note. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I finished it. But yeah, I did that. I was seaming it. Nice. Yeah. On the morning, you know, he was yeah. coming over for lunch. I was seaming it and then steep, seaming and steaming. Yep. <laughs> to get it all ready for him and he loved it I think maybe some people will be doing some Christmas knitting now 
Well, yeah. I mean, I don't do Christmas knitting, as everyone knows. <laughs> I do birthday knitting. There we go. Because they're more spread out. So, also, we usually start with a top tip, top tip. Let's move into that. Okay, cool. We I think top tip this week... Uh, I always say week. You're listening to it within the context of a week, but this podcast. Um, the question is, to frog or not to frog? That is the question. That is the question. What are your views on frogs? frogs. They're like toads. <laughs> uh, smaller, I believe. Mm, yes, okay. <laughs> Moving on to the knitting. Uh, so, have the situation... And we present it to you. You've knitted. You're knitting something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you realise there's a mistake. Mm. Far, far mm. enough down, you wouldn't be able to just tink this. You know, stitch by stitch. Mm. We all know tink is the reverse of knit. I love that. <laughs> to frog or not to frog, Lilia? I'd say frog. Okay. I think in Why? most circumstances. What would be a situation you wouldn't do that? Um. Well, for example, I have a cardigan. One of the first cardigans I ever made, which is. Um, I love it and it's lots of cables and lace and the cables are you know it's designed so that the cables are like mirrored on the you know on the left and right sides so you know you're doing left leaning cables on on one side and right leaning cables on the other it's lovely Um, and uh, it's like a little green one I made it when I was in Mexico I've had it forever I've seen you wear this. All right. I haven't worn it in a long time. (laughs) Anyway, um, and I made a mistake in one of the cables so that it goes in the wrong direction. I only realised right near the end. Now, I think I probably would rip that back, actually, because my knitting skills have improved slightly, I think. And back then, I was more just like, I made a cardigan, which, I mean, that's still cool. Not, you know. Uh, so I finished it and then realised I'd done I'd made this mistake and it has not hindered my enjoyment of this cardigan in the slightest. But now, I think... I would go back just because I can, in yeah. a way. Yeah. I think, yeah, I usually... I think if you're asking yourself the question, and even it, I do it a lot to, like, people I know who are nurses, and I'm like, oh, should I frog this? And I think if you're asking that question, the answer is, yeah. You, you should. should. Just do it. And the other thing is that often you'll go, should I... Oh, no, it's fine. I don't mind. And then you carry on knitting, and then three days later you're like, no, this is going to bother me forever. But there and- are situations you kind of just like, oh, just fudge it, and it's fine. But I think a lot... Of, we're getting 99%, maybe? I don't know what's the percentage on this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Because I think... I mean, obviously, if it's going to affect... If you're making a garment and it's going to affect the way yeah. the garment fits you, then that's, like, definitely frog it. Otherwise, you're just going to end up with a thing that you can't use. A third sleeve. I'm sure no one will notice. <laughs> no one will ever do. But... And, you know, there's, like, varying levels of perfectionism amongst the people of the world. I'm not really 100% a perfectionist, let's be honest. Um... But I think, I don't know. It's hard one to call. Yeah. It's like a situational thing. I think you have to treat yeah. it as, you know, if you're knitting for someone else, it's going to be for mm. you. What kind of yarn you're working with? Try to think of something I've frogged recently. Because I feel like I do a fair bit of frogging because yeah. I often just stop paying attention while I'm knitting something and have to go back. Yeah, it's still, I know it's, it's always frustrating, which I think is why you have that question of like, oh, do I do it? And it's going to, you know, you want to see progression in your knitting, but... Mm. Kind of still undoing it, still knitting. It's all part of the process. And it's in the short, you know, if, yeah, if you just, like you say, if it occurs to you that you should frog, and you should, you should probably just do it then. And the best thing, I think, actually, is to frog it and immediately restart. Yeah. And even if you just knit, like, one row, say you've had to rip back, like, quite a few inches, get get the stitches back on the needles and just do a couple of rows because then you feel like you're kind of back in the game. That's good advice, yeah, yeah. So guys, get us back in the game. Get those needles on. Get back on the horse. 
caught me enjoying some yarn. <laughs> Hi, we're moving on to news and reviews now. Um, news. It's Christmas and there's a pom-pom party on the horizon. There certainly is. So on the 11th of December, we will be having our annual... Well, yeah, no, it's third third year running, annual pom-pom Christmas party um, at Foils upstairs in their event space, which is very exciting because we're big fans of Foils. Those of you who don't know, it's um, just a brilliant independent bookshop uh, in central London and pom-pom is stocked there. And it's, uh, it's excellent... It's an excellent shop because it kind of champions a lot of independent uh, book producing types of all kinds. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the tagline for Pom Pom, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so we've got, um, we'll have live music, there'll be drinks, hopefully there'll be some dancing, but importantly, there'll be a pop-up marketplace as well. So it's bigger, I think, yeah, this is the most uh, uh, vendors ever definitely that we've ever had that's for sure um and well let's just tell them about all the vendors so we've got the fiber company a little bit more of those guys later and we have a little review about their yarn exactly we've got a yarn story um who'll be bringing sweet georgia yarns uh special guest is clara parks clara parks she's gonna whisper some yarn right there for us she is so that's very exciting we're so pleased that she's coming over come and say hi to her also rainbow heirloom and uh tin can knits and Coop Knits and her Socks Yeah yarn, which is absolutely lovely if you haven't seen or heard of it. You'll say yeah when you You'll do. You'll be like, yeah. The Uncommon Common Thread. Uh, we think she's great. Yeah, she's a well, pom-pom we save. Well, obviously they obviously. all are. Goes saying. <laughs> I'm actually wearing a jumper right now made of Uncommon Thread yarn. How you found it? Oh, uncommonly delightful. <laughs> <laughs> also got Kettle Yarn Co. You might know her from uh, the last year's pom-pom pop-up. Yep. Um, we've got Lily T and Fiona Alice. Lily T being the designer name for the lovely Natalie Sellers, who designed Palila for our summer issue this year. It's a yellow cardi. You may know it. It's very lovely. And Fiona Alice, as we said. And Border Mill, uh, who do some amazing alpaca. Really lovely alpaca. And dun, 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 Anna Maltz and Navia Yarns. Anna Maltz will have her very, very exciting and very beautiful new book. Oh, yeah. Which is all designed... Uh, well, inspired by penguins. It is. Sorry, I'm just like, uh, I didn't realise it's going to be December. I'm like, oh, and the book's going to be there. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I can't wait, guys. <laughs> when I finally realise what month it is, it's going to be wonderful. <laughs> and last but not least, we will have Easy Knits with their beautiful, brightly coloured yarns. So that is quite a lineup. We're very pleased to have them all. Um, so if you've been paying attention at all to any of the uh, Pom Pom Mag social media areas like Instagram or Facebook or maybe our website even... Twitter. Or Ravelry, Twitter, so many memes. Anyway, <laughs> if you are aware of and paying attention to any of those, then you might already know that we will be releasing very, very shortly, and actually, I suppose, depending on when you listen to this podcast, may have already released, um, our first ever book. So Pom Pom Quarterly has diversified into Pom Pom Press. House of Pom Pom. House of Pom Pom, exactly. Um, and we are very, very excited and very, very proud to be publishing a collection of patterns by Fiona Alice, who uh, has worked with us previously for two different designs um, and will be at the party. She'll be there signing books. So if you're there, you can get a copy. Um, and I mean, we're really, really proud of it. We think it's very, very beautiful. It's called Take Heart and it's a collection of 10 different accessory designs. 
um, including the Take Heart hat, which was first published in yeah. issue seven of you Pom Pom. You no Fiona from that issue. Exactly, yeah. And my sisters both own one of those hats and they're very pleased with them. It's a classic knit. <laughs> yep. We shot it in Wales, um, around the coast, around there. And it's very, very beautiful, um, if I don't say so myself. It's a nice kind of homage to, obviously... Fiona's from Canada. Mm-hmm. Nice little, we'll learn more about this when we interview her. Hey guys, you got an interview coming up. Um, yeah, how much to her Canadian roots and also a bit of UK-based yarns. Yeah, her, her journey from Canada to here and uh, she kind of traces that through the designs and all the yarns are either Canadian or British. But yeah, I think we should cut this off here because we are interviewing Fiona for this podcast. So you'll get to hear straight from the designer. <laughs> um, so you can look forward to that. So that's pretty much our news, I think. I think so. I'm excited. I'm excited. For <laughs> reviews, we've got two bonus reviews. We have some lovely yarn from Blacker Yarns. They sponsor this podcast. And a little review of a fibre company's pattern collection. Let's go with Blacker first, because uh, alphabetically, why not? Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. So this episode, we have some of their gorgeous Gotland, um, which comes in both DK and four-ply, but we've got some four-ply here. It's blue. It is blue. I know you guys can't see that, but it's a nice blue. Uh, we'll get a little swatch on the blog. Uh, yeah, if you ever want to see any of the notes from this podcast, head to the Pom Pom website and this blog post. But anyway, imagine a nice blue in your in your mind's eye. Uh, so tell me about Gotland, Lydia. So Gotland, it's kind of it's kind of like shiny and silky. It's got a it's got a nice luster to it. I think. That's yeah, what I'd say. like you just don't know sometimes if you have a blue faced luster, it kind of has a kind of shine to it. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of that. lovely sheen, but it's, um, I guess, a bit kind of crunchier, sturdier, yeah. could we say? I've heard Blueface Lester described as the British cashmere. Ah, okay. All right, but it's not that. We're not talking about Blueface No, Lester, we're talking guys. about Sorry. Gotland. <laughs> but yeah, definitely a crunchy, sticky nature. Delicious. Yes, and it's um, it's kind of heathered. It's like over-dyed, this yarn. It's really lovely because the Gotland sheep uh, come in many shades. Like other sheep sometimes do, so that's kind of fun. And it's a particularly warm wool, as we found out on the Blacker Yarns website, which is an awesome website because there's loads of information about all different kinds of breeds because they sell lots of breed-specific yarns, as we know. But it's fun. Um, And the owner and founder of the company, Sue Blacker, she owns a flock of Gotland sheep, and every batch of their Gotland yarn is blended with a small amount of her flock. That's nice. Get a little bit of Blacker in every ball. Exactly. And um, apparently Sue says that they are an extremely intelligent sheep with a sense of humour and mischief. I feel like I can identify with this sheep a lot. It's <laughs> a mischievous yarn right there. <laughs> um, yeah, and so there's both DK and four ply, as I said. And I think, like so many of these kind of um, British breed yarns, colour work, probably a strong contender oh, for yeah. something to use it for. What do you think? I think so. Uh, I see a good tam shanter in this. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, we've said this before with the blacker yarns, they're a woolly wool. That's yeah. That's what this is being classified as. Yeah, so if you're, like, uh, if you get itchy with woolly wools, this might not be your bag, no. baby, but I do not get itchy with woolly wools, so I'm absolutely fine. All over it. All over that stuff. So for more information, and to buy it, I guess you can go to blackyarns.co.uk, which, as I already highly recommended, just for fun reading about British breeds, because I think they've got a lot going on there. Review number two, uh, moving down the alphabet to F. We have a little pattern collection uh, from the Fibre Company. So it's a collection of eight designs uh, by Rachel C. Brown. You may know her as uh, Porpoise or <laughs> Purpose Knits. Yep. And yeah, so it's eight designs, all accessories, very cably. 
very textured. Deep, we can say very textured. All in fiber companies Tundra, which is a bulky alpaca merino and silk mix. Ooh, sounds nice. Very sounds lovely. Very warm. Yeah, so it's got that kind of the lovely alpaca and merino to keep you warm. Little silk, little silk for sheen. Um, so, Sophie, tell me about one of these patterns that you like. Well, I liked Ifjord. I think that's how I pronounce it. That seems good to me. Ifjord, you hat. <laughs> uh, and it is a hat. It's got a nice little cable detail, sort of uh, like herringbone cables, you know, when they're nicely mm. balanced. Um, and because all these designs are using the fibre company Tundra, nice, chunky, quick designs. Maybe squeeze Beautiful. a couple in before Christmas. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that would be a good uh, little Christmas hat. Yeah. Mm. video agrees I'd definitely recommend it um, yeah and it's a nice sort of unisex design as well they've got it in sort of a nice kind of uh, warm oatmeal-y beige yeah it's lovely and actually can we just say quickly that the model first of all the pictures are lovely I mean the, the knits are lovely but the pictures also of the knits lovely and shot in the Lake District and the um, just the landscape's very very beautiful and the model's hair is bright orange and oh, looks the model's really hair looks cool. great against the all the colors it does it's like autumn fest yeah it's like some sort of knitter's edition of brave you know, <laughs> yeah. is it pixar mm. <laughs> um and i'm a big fan of hegelia which are gauntlets is gauntlets like tube like arm tube <laughs> it's a latin for arm tube <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't have a thumb hole. Yeah, I'd say so, yeah. Okay, because that's what I thought. Um, anyway, they're sort of reverse stockinette s- stitch with um, kind of big cable design down the back. And they just look really snuggly. And I'm a big fan of gauntlets because you can wear them with your mittens. Oh, and it? the wrist area gets cold. Isn't um, Or is a gauntlet of tiny gaunt? <laughs> anyway, so these, uh, they're all lovely, chunky... Tundra yarn accessories, mm-hmm. um, different sizes and different sort of levels of difficulties there with the cables. So yeah, for everyone. Yeah, there's a few uh, lovely, very simple designs like Roster, which is um, a kind of buttoned cowl that's good but beginnery design, yeah. and some very simple little fingerless mitts called. I don't know how you say the O with the line through. I'm going to go nurse. Oh, I like it. That sounds quite uh, sounded professional. Yeah, yeah. So, so check those out. Um, so again, that's by Rachel C. Brown with the lovely Fibre Company Yarn. So for today's interview, we are joined by Fiona Blanchard, who you might know better as Fiona Alice. Um, She's originally from Nova Scotia in Canada and now lives and works in London. She has designed for Pom Pom several times um, and she interned with us briefly and is now the designer behind our first uh, book, uh, Take Heart, which we discussed briefly earlier and which we will continue to discuss throughout this interview. Um, So let's go meet Fiona. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Thanks for joining us in what I would call a greenhouse at the moment. We're sort of somewhere in the middle of East London in a garden in a really pretty greenhouse. We are, yeah. It's lovely. It's kind of like a sort of autumnal blustery day. Yeah. Do you say blustery? I definitely would. would you say blustery, Fiona? <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> that category. I think we're, we're all agreed. Yeah, um, yeah, so we're in this lovely greenhouse with Fiona, and we have some questions for her, as we always do. Um, so, Sophie, do you want to start? So it's no surprise that we're going to start with our classic question, 
uh, we haven't changed the format too much. So how did you start knitting? Well, I think it was at an early age, I must have been around eight or nine years old, but um, I'm sure like many other knitters, it was my mum, uh, Wendy, who taught me how to knit. Um, and I was just very happy for many years to knit garter stitch scarves. Um, but it was originally her um, grandmother, Alice, um, who taught my mum how to knit. And so she's passed that down on to me. And so I'm also named after um, my great grandmother, Alice. Um, Fiona Alice. So I feel like it's a great skill that she's passed on and I can still keep it alive through, um, or a little part of her alive through my knitting. That's lovely. Shout out to the mums. I like you got that in first off. Yeah. Like, Hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, so your creative path kind of carried on to you studying? Um, I did. Well, I did my BFA at the Nova Scotia College of Art and Design University. Um, it's a mouthful of a name, but um, within that I focused on textiles and fashion. Um, definitely heavy on the textile side, made a lot of weaving, screen printing, dyeing, but then with those finished um, fabrics I was kind of turning them into garments as well. And so while you were studying did you use a lot of hand knits in your in your work at university or did that kind of come towards the end or after? Like what was the kind of journey? Well knitting, um, it's always been a hobby but it definitely during university because NASCAD didn't have um, a knitting program it was kind of my way to procrastinate from my homework assignments <laughs> so I'd spend all day weaving in the studio but come home and knit a little bit here or there. Uh, it wasn't until my last year when um, I applied for an exchange semester and I was granted that, so I went to the Glasgow School of Art um, to study in Scotland. Um, and I took knitting and embroidery there because they were two subjects NASCAD didn't offer. Um, mostly machine knitting, but a little bit of hand knitting, but it definitely kind of renewed my interest in um, knitting. So when I did come home to do my final fashion um, collection before graduating, um, I did a series of dresses and a kilt, but then added knitted accessories. So that was kind of my first step into designing. And um, yeah, it just kind of, you know, it felt really good to be knitting again, but also to be kind of creating as well. So it kind of, after graduating, I had more time for knitting. So that's why I stuck with. So I guess your, uh, the first design that we published of yours in Pom Pom was, was Take Heart, which was a hat. Uh, in issue seven, which was winter 2013, I nice. believe. <laughs> I hope I got that right. Um, and you referred in that to your kind of stay in Glasgow. Were you at Glasgow at the time that you sent us that proposal? No, no. I had graduated maybe two years beforehand. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it was kind of definitely a design that I kind of drew on inspiration from that trip. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I feel like that trip definitely gave me the kind of idea that hand knitting is still quite alive and well um, everywhere but it, was, it gave me the idea that this is something that um, I wanted to pursue. It took a while till after I came home and that also led to my first job in a yarn shop mm -hmm. and then I was also knitting and um, selling at through boutiques downtown and one of my favorite craft fairs, um, Halifax Crafters back home in Halifax. Um, so I did, I did a lot of knitting in between mm. Glasgow and submitting Take Heart, but I think it really sparked that kind of interest and love for it. Yeah, I guess knitting as a kind of uh, career path isn't one, I guess, that often comes up when you're doing those kind of tests at school and yeah. what you should be when you grow up, so it's not the sort of thing that would necessarily kind of occur to you, I guess, um, <laughs> straight away. <Yeah. laughs> but have you always been interested in retail? 
Um, <laughs> this is a very leading question. Yes, I believe, Sophie. Um, how did you know that I once set up a small shop in my family home where I would make Christmas decorations out of popsicle sticks and glitter and sell them to my mum's friends who would stop by for a cup of tea? I think your early entrepreneurial spirit is obviously like captured in these... Uh, yeah, like you say, lolly sticks and <laughs> What was the name of the shop again? Um, I believe I had named it Shop to You Freak at Fee's Boutique. <laughs> yeah, a short, short opening, but um, yeah. It made it very it made its mark on the map of uh, retail. Yes. Was it so good so. that you freaked out? Is that the idea? <laughs> I think so. I just, you know, too much, too much at once. Um, the world wasn't ready for it. All right, well. We're, we're, we're almost ready now. Yeah. <laughs> Well, what we almost already, for now, we're freaking out about it, is your new book, actually. Thanks, I'm freaking out myself. <laughs> In a good way. Yeah, yeah so um, this may be for our, our lovely listeners the first time that they've heard about this, but Fiona has been working on a book with us uh, that will be the first book published by Pom Pom Press, which is very exciting for everybody involved. And uh, we're all freaking out. Yeah. We're so excited, as previously mentioned. So... For the book, um, tell us just, about the book. Yeah, tell us about it, and I guess sort of your uh, first of all kind of aims for the overall feel of it. Um, I guess cozy. I I think I don't know. Kind of sums it up, and it's um, I've been working since the publish uh, since Take Heart was published. I've been working on fall and winter accessories. That's kind of what I love to knit the most and what I think about designing the most as well. Um, so I kind of wanted to stick with that theme. Um, again, I've kind of revisited some pieces I love to do, um, such as hats, mittens, headbands, scarves. But um, with this bigger project, I was able to branch out into some new kind of first time accessories for myself. Um, so there's a shawl in there and my first pair of socks mm -hmm. as well, which I think is just kind of naturals for uh, for accessories to either get a little bit bigger or, you know, kind of move in another direction. So, um, yeah, no, I just wanted kind of a cozy, um, I feel like it represents me um, kind of as a designer, um, but I hope that it's other accessories that, or accessories that other knitters will, um, will love to share and enjoy themselves. I think they will. Yes. I might be biased. I yeah, we're kind of biased. <laughs> so the book takes the name Take Heart, which is the name of your hat that we just previously mentioned to publish with Pom Pom. Why did that name get chosen for the title? Um, well, it kind of embodied this kind of first time experience um, for the hat, for moving for, to Glasgow. It was the first time I'd kind of spent a significant time away from family and friends and kind of a new kind of journey, kind of stumbled my way through Glasgow, but, you know, ha enjoyed myself and definitely learned a lot about myself and also the first time, you know, publishing with Pom Pom. So Take Heart kind of started that um, relationship with Pom Pom, but also kind of introduction to um, the knitting kind of world as a designer. Um, so I felt like this really embodied this collection again, um, again fumbling my way through London, figuring <laughs> things out as I go along, um, but also kind of, um, you know, the relationship between Pom Pom and I, how it's progressed and how I've progressed as a designer. Um, so I just, I felt, yeah, it kind of 
take heart, um, the term means to be encouraged or to be brave. So I feel like it kind of sums it up quite nicely the last kind of few years, what I've been trying to figure out about the knitting community and myself. Um, and in doing that, naming it Take Heart, I also wanted to include um, the hat pattern again as well. So that cable hat will be um, will be in the book. Um, so you'll see it again. And then I'll, along with um, 10 new accessories. Cool. I think we'll definitely have a little preview on the blog post with this yep. podcast. We can check those out. Be... So the photos, we should talk about those because they're pretty damn good. <laughs> again, we're biased. Um, so you did that, the photo shoot in Wales. Tell us a little bit more about that. Um, yeah, Wales. My first time to Wales. Um, and it was gorgeous. And I think because um, it really kind of um, sums up kind of the maritime feeling. I grew up in Nova Scotia, not too far from the coast. So in Wales, you get easy access to beaches, um, but also to forests and kind of rugged outdoor scenery. Um, we don't have many castles to shoot um, <laughs> next to in Nova Scotia, so that was definitely a bonus um, for shooting in Wales. Um, but everything sh was shot by the lovely Juju Vale, and it was a fun weekend to um, go out with her and the girls from Pom Pom and kind of run around, trying not to get rained on too much. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it kind of is reminiscent of the Maritimes, but also, you know, um, the UK being an island itself um, is a very maritime um, country as well, so... Yeah. yeah, there's lots of connections. I mean, because Swansea did used to be quite an important port, I guess, at some time. <laughs> mm -hmm. Too long ago. And also we had um, sort of your good friend and, and another friend of Pom Pom. We had Natalie um, uh, Sellers. Is that how I say her name? Natalie Sellers. Uh, as model and she's yes. another Canadian <laughs> expat um, <laughs> yes <laughs> um, and there's I mean it, it's kind of fun because Juju is also Canadian of course and I'm half Canadian so we had like a little kind of Canadian club <laughs> I'm very English so <laughs> so was Amy I guess yeah, so we yeah. had like a sort of uh, little Canadian stronghold there <laughs> um, okay well let's we can ask about the yarns that you used because uh, as you kind of just talked about with the photo shoot, there was kind of an idea of the connection. I mean, you being that connection, I suppose, in this case, between uh, where you grew up in Canada and then the UK. Um, and so we wanted, or you know, we decided together that it would be good to use just yarns that were from the UK or from Canada. Mm -hmm. um, did you want to tell us a little bit about the kind of process of choosing yarns and, and maybe if there are any kind of favourites that you had, or not to choose too many, but <laughs> they're all your, your they're all favourites clearly because yeah. they made it into the book, but just, yeah, highlights. Yeah, yeah I highlights. feel like if I could, um, you know, pick my 10 favourite yarns at the moment, I feel, <laughs> um, yeah, I know this, this book is exactly what, what it is. It's a collection of kind of my 10 favourites at the moment. Um, a lot of them... Um, like we mentioned, um, I wanted to stick with Canadian British companies. Some of them have been I've been working with for years, especially like Fleece Artists and Handmaiden. Um, that that was kind of the first introduction to an indie dye company for me. Just like remembering going into these shops and because they're um, hand dyed in Halifax, um, going into these shops and just seeing these beautiful blends and beautiful colors. Um, and also Illimani, another Canadian company that I've been working with the last few years. Um, so of course I kind of wanted to pay homage to some of my favourites, um, but also coming to London there are so many that all of a sudden I've 
got my hands on and it's kind of like I've always wanted to use this because on Instagram it looks incredibly beautiful <laughs> and shocking you know it's even more beautiful in reality so I'm really excited that I got to finally use um, companies like Uncommon Thread um, John Arbin um, I've just been hearing you guys especially talk about yeah. <laughs> about these companies for so long um, but then there's also some new companies um, that I've since kind of come across here, like the Border Mills, um, recently came across them uh, last year at Edinburgh Yarn Fest. Um, yeah, so it's kind of a little, kind of, you know, what's in my knitting stash, and I mm. hope others will maybe try to seek out some of these ones and use them as well. So obviously you've got the palette that you chose for Take Heart, which is an amazing kind of greys and a little bit of orange. Uh, how did you come to the, how did you come to that decision to use those colours? What was your plans? Um, well, I am a fan of grey. Yes. Just all, <laughs> all grey. Um, I could probably find a spot for in my knitting stash. Um, and so when I was originally talking to Lydia about um, kind of what I envisioned um, for this book, um, she made the joke to, well, maybe we can't knit everything in grey. Um, but I mean, as I, um, as I kind of branched out and started looking at some of these yarns, um, I've definitely chosen a few of my favourite greys. But um, I also really do like color, but I also find I'm often intimidated by it. But um, I worked with a lot of purples and a lot of oranges in this book, and surprisingly enough, if I gray wasn't on the list of colors to choose from, I would have to say purples and oranges are my favorite colors. Mm -hmm. um, so I worked with um, a lot of hand-dyed yarns as well, um, but then I've got some soft neutrals, um, like the colors I chose from Uncommon Thread that um, aren't grey but still would work really nice with grey <laughs> and um, and I've got that really gorgeous kind of dark navy blue um, from the border mills paired with a grey yeah. um, but um, yeah I really do like kind of rich saturated colours um, with grey so I feel like <laughs> that's exactly what you'll see in the book um, but if you're grey, yeah. grey is the great neutral to go with anything. If you are stuck for something to go with a colour, you're like, oh, I'll just pop a bit of grey in there. So it's really, it's, it's an all-encompassing colour. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So we talked a little bit about your travels from uh, Canada to London to Glasgow and everything in between. Um, what do you feel uh, the differences are between the knitting community, between these two places, and sort of the expat? community that's built up in the UK and London? Um, well I definitely feel like within Canada and within the UK like the knitting community um, is both really strong. Um, it's just it's quite fortunate being in the UK um, where everything is just in terms of location everything is quite dense and so it's very easy for um, travel within the UK to visit or to go to um, various yarn festivals um, and there's just there is a lot going on here whereas in within Canada um, we've got a handful of really nice ones but um, being on the East Coast sometimes it's not as feasible for me to travel to the West Coast because um, it's so incredibly expensive but I mean they're there and there there are some that are growing within Canada I was recently back there to teach at my first knitting festival in Canada um, Knit East um, which was held in New Brunswick um, and so it was really great to kind of reconnect with the maritime community there um, and kind of meet knitters from uh, all over um, Canada really they came quite far from it and some even came up from the States um, but 
I mean, I get to do that a lot more frequently here in the UK, just since there's more, uh, more variety. Yeah. You know, so you live in North London, I know it's quite a kind of creative community up there and that you live with lots of very creative people, but just being in a kind of big city like this one, do you think it's, uh, what, what do you think it's brought to your kind of designing? Um, I would say a lot, definitely. I mean, I live with a really creative household, so it's really fun to be energized by them. Um, but also, yeah, also London, I mean, it definitely presented itself with opportunities that I might not have um, been able to get um, elsewhere. So that's definitely been inspiring and motivating, um, especially in terms of this project. Um, I feel like my aesthetic as a designer hasn't really changed because mm -hmm. I'm still, you know, drawn to the same same kind of textures and colors and um, accessories that I was before. But um, yeah, I've definitely found the motivation to, yeah, take on these lar larger projects, take on these new accessories. Um, but I f yeah, I feel like it's also, um, you know, will keep me motivated for when I do leave London, that um, this is something that I've definitely got the chance to pursue and I want to continue to keep designing, which mm -hmm. luckily it can be done anywhere. Mm. Um, and I think that's something that I need to strive for. Um, I won't always be in London, but yeah, it's London has taught me a lot about um, the knitting industry and designing and that's something that I want to continue. I've met some great, uh, great knitters from all over the world being here in the UK but also funny enough um, to kind of become friends with some Canadian ones as well. Um, Natalie um, Sella is my model in the book and friend. Um, I met her through Instagram oddly enough. <laughs> she was another knitter that I followed and when I saw that she was in the UK doing a few internships and I thought hey that's exactly what I'm trying to kind of get myself into and um, what I'd like to see myself doing and so I just wrote her out of the blue one day being like can I ask you some questions about knitting in London and she wrote back and then sh surely enough I did my summer at Toft and I was going to come down and intern with Pom Pom and she just wrote me one day being like hey do you want to sublet a room in my flat so we became really good knitting friends and then it just seems there's a lot of Canadians over here and I'm wondering if that's because you know the opportunities are are here as well. Yeah, I suppose the knitting community feels like it's getting like very well connected with like, in, like you say, like Instagram, especially Ravelry. Like mm. you end up knowing people and places and places, even if you weren't there. Like I feel like I was at Rhinebeck, you know, I was yeah. on Instagram. <laughs> it's almost as good. <laughs> so this is like uh, a bit left field, not necessarily completely related to what we were just talking about, but I realized I wanted to ask you, I mean, this is kind of a vague question. So you might have to kind of talk around it, but talk vaguely about it. Talk vaguely, <laughs> ideal, exactly. Um, so I don't know if you want to, or if you have a clear idea about how the kind of inspiration works for you when you're designing. Like whether it starts with, I mean, it's probably one of many things, or as in it's all of these things. But whether you most frequently start with a kind of stitch pattern, or you start with a color. Um, I think I start with a texture, yeah, mm. kind of stitch pattern and either seeing something in like a stitch dictionary or I've definitely inspected my housemate's clothing, kind of like, hey, can I come come here, let me look at that jumper. <laughs> um, so I think it starts with, um, or I feel like this collection especially definitely started with a texture. Um, and from there I kind of, you know, if it's a contrasting one or if it's a fairly like subtle texture, then I kind of think about colors in terms of how to best that show off. Um, 
you know, either putting two highly contrast contrasting colors next to each other, or, you know, if it's a soft texture, maybe pair it with a soft neutral to really kind of highlight the stitch pattern. Um, yeah, so I definitely do work in both ways, but this definitely started with kind of the feel and look, and then I was thinking, you know, do I want to see this on socks, or do I feel like this is a good good feel for mittens or hats? Um, yeah, and then I kind of play around, and then kind of the accessory kind of grows out from from a small swatch somehow. Are you kind of, yeah, I was going to say, you more like knit and go, and then you just like frog it out if it goes wrong, and do you do a lot of planning and swatching? Is it like part of the knitting is actually just experimenting first? Um, I do a bit of both, but I am one of those knitters that um, does enjoy the swatching process. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you'll see some of my swatches in the book, and that's only a very small selection of um, what I've done over the last few months um, and I keep them all I try to yeah I try to keep them all uh, there's some that I had to unravel because I was running out of yarn for the finished accessory <laughs> and I was very sad to see those swatches go but I photographed them beforehand um, so I could look fondly oh, back wow, one you day. You do love swatches. This is, I need them. to take this on board. I'm a bit like half-assed with swatches sometimes. So. I don't always swatch though. Oh, oh, okay. But, Controversy. <laughs> yeah, but then again I find those are the projects where I get halfway through and decide to rip back but we've yeah. all been there <laughs> i still do it even, <laughs> even even when i have a few swatches to go by it still happens so speaking of swatches what's on your needles right now a tiny swatch or something bigger um i've just started um a bigger project um it's very much in the beginning stages but i'm selfishly um working on a cardigan for myself um it's flown by justina uh, Krakowska? Lukowska. Lukowska. Is it Lettuce Knits? Is lettuce Knits, yeah. Um, Welcome to being on a podcast and trying to pronounce <laughs> designers' names. <laughs> um, well, I, I also work, we did mention this earlier, but I also work in the knitting shop Loop in Angel, and that one has been staring at me from being on the front cover of the latest Emery Sue issue. Mm -hmm. So I've just been, and of course it's knit in grey, and shocking, <laughs> I'm knitting it in grey as well. Um, not the owl though that it's shown in, but I've chosen um, Far by Wolf Oak. Um, nice. Yeah, also New Yarn that um, has come into the shop. So mm. yeah, I've just been eyeing that for a while. So I've selfishly cast on recently. For I know, that. I keep asking you like, how's your project going? Cause I basically want to knit it and work with that yarn as well. So I'm just kind of vicariously knitting through you. <laughs> I, will, I will let you know. You're gonna keep me updated. Yeah. yeah, good. So we can do one of our uh, sort of standard questions. So, Fiona, we're going to cast you onto a desert island, but we're going to allow you to take one yarn with you. You can have as many colours as you want, but it has to be just the one base. Mm -hmm. What are you going to take with you? Fiona's so what? zen. She doesn't look bothered about being she cast away. She's, She's like, like, cool, man. I'll deal with it. Do many knitters take into account that it's a desert island? Well, it can be any kind of... I mean, some people reckon it will be, you know, kind of a cold and rugged desert island. Okay, that would be my... So we'll, we'll make it cold and, cold and rugged for you. Can we just, like, banish you to Canada? Is that what you're, <laughs> you're imagining? You could find a small island just to stick me on. Yeah. Um, one of my favourites is no longer... It's been discontinued. Okay. Can I tell you one of my favourites? Yeah. yeah. Well, then, because within the rules of this, we're getting it back in production for Especially you. Especially for you. Yeah. Oh, I wish. Okay. 
and I feel like I have enough in my Canadian stash that could last me a while because um, I definitely stocked up on it. Um, it's called River and it's an old, older one by um, Fleece Artist. So again, repping Halifax Company on a desert island. <laughs> um, River was a blend of baby alpaca, silk, and merino wool and nice. i know a lot of blends i've used in the book are alpaca merino silk related but this one had all three and it was an aran weight so it was nice and hearty um came in all of the lovely fleece artist colors um but yeah it was just one of those favorites that like really great stitch definition a little bit of fuzz a little bit of sheen um all around reliable guy yeah. <laughs> That's what you like from your yarn and yeah. your people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very good. And then also, uh, we always ask people what would be their spirit animal and why. I've got a vague idea what you might say. Yeah, I have a note here. <laughs> could be, uh, <laughs> could be proven wrong. Um, I would have to say a cat. Right. And, oh, I mean, if, nice. yeah. If you guys didn't edit it out, then our viewers could hear me getting distracted by the cat who often shows up in this in the window of the greenhouse here. <laughs> um, yeah, I've got two cats, one home in Canada named Fergus and the other one here in London named Battle Cat. Yeah. And their personalities are polar opposites, but I feel like they kind of encompass me, you know, embody my personality. So um, yeah, and they're great knitting companions when they're not chewing on the skein. So yeah. What is it about these two cats that represents your personality then? Um, Fergus is an, I would say, an elderly cat now mm -hmm. at this stage. Um, he is grey. <laughs> of course he is. That's the only reason you're so <laughs> If anyone is on my Instagram account, they might um, see him frequently. Um, though not as much as I'd like since he's home in Canada. Um, he has just been an old man from the day he was born. Just lazy, cuddly, and grey. <laughs> um, and then Battle Cat um, in London, she's... Um, She's a kitten and she's defiant and incredibly sassy. And so I feel like I can, you know. Embody all these things. Yeah, go either way. Yeah. All with a fantastic grey coat. Yes. <laughs> awesome. All right. Uh, so, future plans. Obviously, we've got the book coming out soon. Um, and you've been doing a lot of teaching and exhibiting, as you said, over the summer. What are your plans for knit domination in the future? Um, I think just to continue and to build, um, to build on this more, um, I have to start thinking about um, a new plan soon because my visa will shortly expire um, this coming summer. So I kind of get to think about where I envision myself next year, whether it's going back home to Canada or perhaps off to a new adventure. But I feel like knitting um, will kind of take, I don't know, take me... Um, Pave the way. Yeah, we'll lead the way. And mm. so I'd love to continue to teach. And I mean, designing can also be done from anywhere. Um, but who knows where that will be? So we'll figure it out next summer. Cool. If people want to keep in touch uh, with your knitting escapades and adventures as they develop, uh, where should they go? Uh, my website is fionaalice.com. Um, if they want to see updates on knitting or cats, they can go to my Instagram account, um, fiona underscore alice underscore. Yeah, that's kind of... I feel like the Venn diagram of people who do knitting and the people who like cats is like a huge yeah, crossover middle in the middle. Bit. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Great. Thank you, Fiona. Thanks, Lydia. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks. All right, we'll go back outside and face the wind. <laughs>
This podcast was also sponsored by The Fibre Company. Founded in 2003, The Fibre Company is an independent yarn producer that originally spun and hand-dyed their yarns in a small textile mill on the coast of Maine in New England. From humble beginnings to today's global brand, The Fibre Company works with a variety of producers and artisans continuing to create yarns that delight and inspire the enthusiastic maker. To celebrate its recent relocation to the Lake District in northwest England last year, The Fibre Company launched a new yarn for autumn-winter 2015-16 named Cumbria, a blend of fine South American merino, English mash and wool and Argentinian mohair. The Fibre Company works with the best independent designers and its most recent collection being Norderlander, eight accessories made from its tundra yarn designed by Rachel C. Brown. So that was a brilliant interview that we just had with Fiona. Oh, sweetie. What an awesome girl. And because there was so much of her audio, which was so brilliant, um, we are going to skip Ravelry Realness. So I'm going to take this opportunity to get you guys to send in your ideas for the sorts of things you might like to hear on Ravelry Realness, where we browse Ravelry so you don't have to. Um, and we're going to go straight to our top three. <laughs> uh, last podcast, if you were listening, uh, we talked about toast toppings. And the response that we had was beautiful and overwhelming. I never knew that it could bring people together. I know, people just love toast. I, I mean, think, I love toast. Oh, well, we now know that you guys too. I think if you're ever in a situation where you don't know what to say to someone, maybe just ask them about toast. Need to break the ice. Mm. Introduce the... Hey, cool dating advice from the podcast. Cool question for a first date, if you happen to be going on dates. What kind of toast toppings do you like? Can I suggest a toast? A slice of. Would you join me? (laughs) I'd say yes. The universal joy of the world, therefore, is hot buttered toast. Except those who are maybe gluten intolerant. But there's other fun things to do. I guess. So, Morgan Fugli, I think that's how I'm going to say your name now. uh, Her number one would definitely be crunchy peanut butter and banana. Oh, yeah. With butter underneath, butter is compulsory on toast. Winky smiley. I think peanut butter or something, yeah, definitely with the with banana. That's fresh good. banana. Oh, classic. Yep. We yep. agree. Yep. And so these are from the Ravelry oh, yeah. forum, by the you way. You can say hi to us on that. You can. And we've got um, Iribeiro says uh, cream cheese with berry jam. And that that is wow. super duper tasty. And I had a friend years ago who introduced me to the cream cheese and jam like, as, a, as a pancake topping, yeah. actually. It sounds like some sort of dessert, oh, which I'm not against. super yummy. So that I endorse. <laughs> Thanks. I love that people, when they write their uh, Ravelry names, they never think, like, can someone pronounce this later on a podcast? That's what people need to think about now, guys. <laughs> yeah. um, and then Taxing, that's just your name, I mm-hmm. um, During the top three, when you got to number one, um, saying it's a classic, I was nodding, my internal monologue, muttering, yes, yes, strawberry jam, of course, yes, couldn't agree more. And then you said Marmite. Talk about confounding expectations. I was basically numb from shock. For the rest of the day. <laughs> Marmite does have a strong reaction with people. It certainly does. But she says, to, you know, gloss over the Marmite mm. thing, she says, uh, golden syrup on toast is pretty amazing. That can't even work for your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Which is exactly what she looks for in her toast toppings. <laughs> so Sally Ravels uh, was... Well, so we had a sort of slight Marmite versus Vegemite discussion on the forum because... Right. I mean, are we both Marmite fans? Definitely. I mean, we're British. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Vegemite is the Australian version of Marmite, which is, it's more than adequate. Perfectly acceptable. But it's not Marmite. Yeah. But Megan Fernandez uh, is a Vegemite fan. And Papis Baby says, Marmite, one word, 
wicked. Now I read that as wicked. But is it like wicked? Like how dare you mention? <laughs> we'll never know. Um, we're going to do a quick shout out to Mr. Josiah Bain. I'll go with that. Yeah, we'll go with that. Who made the germ? He made the Mr. Sniffles the cold virus that we mentioned, um, I think, podcast 17. Yeah, the Ravelry Realness, the cold... Uh, we had a make meta knits, that's what it was. And so it was like a little cold virus. And one of the things I really like about it is the big red eyes that he'd put on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's particularly uh, evil. Yeah, well, he said that he gave it red eyes because it's evil. So shout out to you, uh, because that made me laugh loads. And it was a present for his mum, because she had a cold war. So... That's all very exciting. Ravelry realness, finally. He didn't have to browse Ravelry because we did it for him. <laughs> and so, after that lengthy introduction, we can go to our top three, which is uh, children's books. Now, this was recommended to us by Marley Maid. Ma- no, Merrily Maid. Merrily Maid. Oh, Mer- Merrily Maid. That is I a got- cool oh, name. Then that's why you want the things to be read out so people can get the pun. <laughs> Um, she said her top three suggestion was favourite children's books or book you've reread every few years. I'm not the ho- I hope I'm not the only one who reaches for comfort books at this time of the year. And we thought that was lovely. Yeah, so we went for children's books specifically because I think books that I reread is probably not... Or did you not do that? No, I did too. Okay, good. So we went for children's books specifically because I think books that I reread is in a different category. I think we, we kind of did that as we well. We did that, yeah. didn't we? We did top three books. So anyway, top three children's books. Yay! It was just me regressing a little bit so I could get in the mood. Uh, yeah, so I think I'm going to start with uh, The Mitten by Jan Brett. Knitting related. Well yeah, done. it is actually. So it's based on a Ukrainian folktale of someone who loses their mitten in the forest. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one after another, all these little um, woodland creatures, you know, gradually getting bigger and bigger, all crawl into the mitten to get uh, warmer. And it's very cute. And I remember the illustration, oh, you know, often with kids' books, the illustrations that make it. Mm. Um, and, you know, spoiler alert, but at the end, you know, all the animals finally crawl out and then the little girl finds her mitten again. And it's huge. It's been stretched because, like, bigger and bigger, like a wolf and a <laughs> bear can I climb in. So that's good. I think it's quite cute. Mitten. Do you think that your interest in knitting can be attributed to this book? I, I can't discredit it. I think it's definitely one of the things that would have sparked it. So people who have children that they want to be into knitting, yes. we can recommend... The Mitten. The Mitten. Yeah. Cool. That sounds good. I have not read that book. Well, I think, you know, you can do it in one night. You'll be... <laughs> By the time we meet again, you can meet up today. <laughs> uh, number two. I mean, it's not strictly in any order, but just for the sake of keeping things mm-hmm. uh, running. Yeah. Number two. Yes. Uh, would be The Tiger Who Came to Tea. Oh, The Tiger Who Came to Tea by Judith Kerr. I have heard of this. I have not read this. Ah, well. Uh, the clue in the title as to what it's Is about. Is it about a lion? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a uh, mum and her daughter. The child in the book's called Sophie. No, you know, Perfect. not really biased as why I love this protagonist in the book, but yeah, she's called Sophie. And the tiger comes and eats everything in the house. Oh dear. <laughs> uh, but I found one thing I remembered, one of the favourite bits that, as a child, is that he drinks all the water in the taps. And I remember thinking this was the most like bizarre and wondrous things, like how that could actually happen. Yeah. So all the go. water in the taps. Yeah. Um, but wait, so the tiger comes, just eats everything, what, leaves? Pretty much. Cool. But at the end of the book, uh, they buy some tiger food, just in case he ever comes back again. Oh, they're so welcoming. Yeah. That's a nice little lesson. And uh, number one, <laughs> I'm really excited about this book, is called The Jolly Postman by Janet and Alan Alberg. I love that book. Yes. So, oh, my God. 
it's uh, beautifully illustrated by them as well, actually. Mm-hmm. So they've done a lot of kids' books, and uh, it's the postman going along, delivering all his letters, as you could probably guess. But the book is actually um, made of, you know, you have each page, there's an envelope, so you get to actually physically open the little envelope and read the little letter for each of the characters. A lot of them are sort of based on, like, uh, nursery rhymes or, like, traditional mm-hmm. fairy tales that he's all delivering to. And also, because it's November, we're going to get a little bonus uh, Christmas mention in, there's the uh, there's a Christmas version of it where it's like uh, Christmas Jolly Postman. Cool. I remember when I was uh, little and was at primary school when you went to the nurse's office, they had a copy of the Jolly Postman in there. Aww. And so I used to, I remember reading it when feeling a little bit poorly and maybe waiting for your mum to pick you up. And it's yeah has comforting tones it for does. me. Does. Okay, so I had a lot of fun thinking about these. It was fun. It was it good was really fun. Yeah. Yeah, so thanks again to Marily Maid. Um, okay, so my three favourite children's books. At number three, I've never met anyone else who's who's read this book who wasn't like my brother or sister. Um, it's called Imogen's Antlers. No, I never heard of this. <laughs> and in this book, spoiler alert, a little girl wakes up and has antlers. Oh. And her family are like, whoa, you've got antlers. What are we going to do? And so their solution, which I think is genius is to make uh, get a special big giant hat made for her. Oh, okay. Um, and that's pretty much what happens. And that's the end of the book? I think so. I think she just has antlers. I can't really remember that clearly. Is that good? Is that like accepting what you have? Or is that hiding what you have? I don't know. That's a good question, actually, because I, all I remember is thinking... I, that's just all I remember of it. I don't know if there was another bit after that that I've forgotten. But I have just very clear memories of the way... Yeah, it's, like, beautifully illustrated and there's just... It's a bit like Metamorphosis. It's, like, the kid's version of that. But that's quite a dark book, so maybe it's not like that. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> moving swiftly on. Um, at number two is Green Eggs and Ham by oh, Dr. Seuss. classic, Or yeah. Zeus. I'm going to say Seuss because that's what everyone's... I mean, and he... I could have done a top three of all of his books, actually, True. which is weird because he's not at number one for reasons that will oh, become clear. Okay. But if I had to make a top ten, for example, it would be, like, mostly his books. Because when I was a kid, we read a lot of Dr. Seuss books and we had all the copies that my dad had had when he was little. Oh, that's nice. Um, and I love Green Eggs and Ham. Well, first of all, there's somebody called Sam in it. My little brother's called Sam, so, like, you liked the Sophie thing. There we go. We liked the Sam thing. Um, and I think it has a good message because throughout the book... You know, he one of the characters is saying, would you like these green eggs and ham? And the other guy's like, no, I will not eat them with a fox. I will not eat them in a box. I will not eat them, you know, anywhere, basically. With my socks. Exactly. Uh, but at the end, he tries the green eggs and ham, and they're delicious. A moral for us all. And so the moral is to try the things, because you might like them. And I think that's very important. <laughs> and <laughs> it's Dr. Seuss, so it's all in rhyme, which is super-duper fun. Um, and so... My favourite children's book, which I think is the best children's book ever. I'm just going to say that. Um, it's called Not Now, Bernard. That is a classic. I was brought up on that book as well, <laughs> definitely. And Not Now, Bernard is by David McKee. And in Not Now, Bernard, uh, it sort of starts out with Bernard kind of bothering his parents in a child, you know... In a childlike way. In a childlike way. And they're like, not now, Bernard. You know, we're busy. Get on with your kid stuff. Play with your toys. Uh, and then a monster shows up and Bernard's like, Mom, Dad, there's a monster. And they're like, not now, Bernard. I'm going to spoil the end of this book because it's too good not to. It's too good not to, yeah. So the monster eats Bernard um, and smashes up all his toys and has a little riot. Uh, 
and then goes and says, Raw! <laughs> Raw said the monster. Not now, Bernard, said Bernard's mum, which has got to be one of the highlights of the book. And so... And then the monster just kind of accepts its fate and just gets into bed. Yeah, like the last scene of the book, I remember that. It's the monster in bed just like, oh. Like, I guess I'm, I guess I'm Bernard now. And there's just, and it's I've got a very particular style of illustration, I guess. Um, it's quite kind of like blocky and like very colourful. Yeah. Uh, but I just remember absolutely loving that. And I do, I do like a slightly dark children's. Well, there you go. That's one book. of them. <laughs> and that's our top three. It's also the end of the podcast. If you want to join in with any of the chats and rambles and debates over top threes and other things, join in on the POMcast forum uh, for the Pom Pom Quarterly Group mm-hmm. on Ravelry.com. If you're not there, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life? And you can always uh, email us, podcast at pompommag.com. Um, so either of those forms of communication are absolutely fine. Or Telegram. Telegram, also we- acceptable. Carrier pigeon, also good. Smoke signals, Yes. Yes, we accept those, all of those forms. Uh, we don't accept post, unfortunately, Not just yet. smoke signals. We're yeah. working on the postal address. Um, <laughs> so thanks for listening. Thanks again to Fiona, who was our wonderful interviewee. Thanks to Blackie Yarns and Fibre Company for being our tip-top sponsors. Yes, thank you very much, you guys. You make it possible for us to talk about knitting stuff. And thanks, you guys, for listening to us talk about knitting stuff. Bye! Bye. podcast is produced by Lydia Gluck and Sophie Scott with lots of help from Eli Block who created the original music for this show. If you want to find more Eli related music you can go to goodgirlandthebadtimes.com. Also thank you to Blackie Yarns and the Fiber Company for being our sponsors. Thanks as always to Megan Fernandez who is the co-founder and editor of Pom Pom Quarterly and thanks again to Fiona Alice who was our interviewee. A lovely interviewee. Um, thank you to all you pom-pom buyers, subscribers, and listeners. 